Welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, I'm honored that Indiana's senior senator, Todd Young, joins us to talk about a bill he's introduced called the Support Working Families Act, which would help new parents take paid time off by giving them the option to take out an interest-free loan in the form of a tax credit. He'll also talk about the upcoming role the Senate will play in the confirmation process of Judge Amy Coney Barrett. But before we bring the senator on, a little bit more about him. Senator Todd Young represents Hoosiers in the United States Senate. He currently serves on the Senate Committees on Finance, Foreign Relations, Commerce, Science and Technology, and Small Business and Entrepreneurship. Senator Young is a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and is a fifth-generation Hoosier. In 2010, he ran for Congress and served three terms representing Indiana's 9th District. He was elected to the Senate in 2016. Senator, it is a pleasure to have you on She Thinks today. Oh, Beverly, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And before we jump into the Working Families Act, which we're going to spend a decent amount of time on today, I, I was just curious, from during a pandemic, what is it like to be a senator? I'm assuming that it's really changed things up. Has, has it been hard during this time? Or wh- what has it been like to serve the people of your state during a global pandemic? You know, during the really early stages, it was incredibly hard work for myself, for members of my staff, uh, because there were just so many unanswered questions and a real need for government to be responsive. And I have to say, I was really encouraged that uh, even though we're in a toxically partisan atmosphere right now, uh, Americans came together, uh, even in our federal government, and we were able to pass some legislation that helped out a lot of people. But my role and the role of my staff was to help people navigate programs like the Paycheck Protection Program uh, and some of the other assistance that we provided. And oftentimes we played sort of traffic cop. Uh, providing assistance uh, uh, just by telling people where they could go and and receive answers to their questions. So, um, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, I didn't have an opportunity to serve in a combat zone. And uh, here I am as a U.S. Senator, and uh, this is a a national emergency of a different sort. I want to serve during uh, challenging circumstances because I feel like that's when government uh, officials and elected officials can really add value to people's lives. So it's been, uh, in a way, meaningful for me to um, do uh, what little part we can to help uh, lift that burden from people's shoulders uh, during what is oftentimes their worst day, you know, the, the time their business folds, uh, the day that they're furloughed or, or, or that a relative gets COVID. Yeah. And I know specifically with some of the work that you've done even prior to COVID, it's been focusing on families, and you sponsored legislation, Support Working Families Act, which you you brought out, and you think this is an important way to help families. Can you tell us a little bit about how this plan works? Well, sure. You know, part of the motivation for this, Beverly, is I'm the father of four children, and uh, I grew up in comfortable circumstances, you know, a securely middle-class family, as did my wife. And so we had parents that were able to spend a lot of time with us at a very young age, nurturing us, bonding with us as as babies and uh, caring for us when we were newborn children. I've learned as I've become older just how important that time is for a parent to spend with a child. Uh, It really improves life outcomes in a significant way. It improves uh, your ability to advance into uh, professions that might be of interest to you. And um, 
and uh, even even impacts your health in, in very significant ways. So, um, so last year I introduced some legislation that would help any new parent have the opportunity to bond with and care for their newborn or newly adopted child. Um, this is a fiscally responsible family leave bill that would en- enable parents to stay better connected to the workforce at the same time that they're caring for their newborn or adopted child. So here's how it works. New parents would have the opportunity voluntarily to access a short-term loan by advancing their future tax credits. Then the parent would repay the amount that they borrowed within the next five to eight years through that individual's future income tax filings because it would be considered a, a tax liability. The amount borrowed would function essentially as an interest-free loan from the federal government to help parents afford that time it takes uh, to take off of work and care for their new child. Parents taking advantage of this would potentially repay through future tax refunds or tax credits for which uh, the individual would be eligible following their child's birth. Uh, An example of, of a child Uh, would be the child tax credit that they could use to repay this loan. So the combination of the amount that they borrow and any income a new parent receives from an employer or from a state government paid leave plan can't exceed 100% of an individual's wages. There's really no way to gain the system here. It's fiscally responsible. It's paid back over a period of years. And it helps what I like to consider the the Walmart dad or Walmart mom uh, be able to make it uh, through uh, a time when they would like to be bonding with their child, when, frankly, the entire society benefits from that active role that the parents taking are taking in the first few months of their child's life. And, um, and, and we've received a whole lot of positive feedback about this, and um, hopefully we can advance it uh, in, in, in coming months. And I think where there are, are people on the same page as people, I think, agree, whether they're Republican or Democrat, that having time with your child is important. Now, there have been other suggestions we see in states and local communities that there is mandatory paid family leave that businesses have to provide. I know as a a business, small business owner myself in Washington, D.C., that money is automatically taken out of of our accounts to to go to that. What do you make of these local decisions to try to do this through business? Why do you think it's better to do this where the individual's family are able to make this decision versus it coming out of business? Well, one could come up with a number of arguments why it's better to do this, do it this way. Um, first, uh, I, I just offer the obvious, which is um, this won't cost uh, those who believe the policy is in, in is not merited, um, uh, uh, you know, as as a grant. Uh, this would not cost the taxpayer any money. Uh, these, these loans would be paid back. And um, so, you know, to the extent somebody uh, does not regard this as an important public policy priority, they're not going to have to subsidize someone else having children, bonding with that child, and and so forth. Um, Mandates on small businesses are difficult. Small businesses experience ups and downs. I say this with a measure of credibility because I come from a small business family. 
and I'm really proud of what my you know father was able to accomplish when I was young. I do know that we had some lean Christmases and we had some really good Christmases. So on those lean Christmas years, um, you know, he probably didn't have enough money uh, to fund this. Uh, certainly, you know, somebody who had a workforce of up to 10 or 12 individuals at one time, if he had a couple of his employees uh, taking paid leave, mandatorily provided by the employer, um, that would have been a burden on him. Um, and, and, and so that's an, an important reason uh, uh, that uh, to make this voluntary. Um, and, and then lastly, if one happens to reside in a locality or a state where collectively people determine in our federalist system that it makes sense to mandate that, well, I, I suppose that's a state or a local level prerogative. The state of Indiana, I, I don't perceive us to be prepared for that culturally or economically. And therefore, this would be a viable option for working class parents in a place like Indiana. Moreover, there are other states, I, I'd use Washington State as an example, that provide a very generous paid leave plan for so many of their individuals, but there are some gaps in it. And we believe that this program can be tailored in a way to fill those gaps. And for those who are listening, who think this does sound like a great way to help families, but also not put a burden on taxpayers, have you found that there is bipartisan support? I think there is bipartisan support for this. I've been uh, working with one of the highest ranking uh, members of the Senate Finance Committee on the Democratic side. I'm not sure I have their permission to, to share their name, but it, it, it's a notable uh, and, and accomplished uh, Democrat member, member of the Finance Committee. We're trying to find a way for this policy to, um, to align with uh, this senator's uh, own state's policy. They happen to have a more generous uh, uh, it, paid leave policy than we have in the state of Indiana. So I actually think that that collaboration will lead to uh, a work product that works in blue states and red states alike. And once we get through that gate, if you will, uh, then uh, I I think we'll uh, be ready to move on this. So as you know, in the U.S. Senate, as it's currently constituted, which requires 60 votes to uh, really end debate on any measure and, and, and get it um, uh, through the process, uh, we have to find a Democratic champion. I think we're almost there. That's great news. And I know that there's a lot going on in the Senate right now. The Senate has been in focus on the confirmation process that is going to be underway next week um, with Judge Amy Coney Barrett. What has it been like for you to see all the media storm around this? And what do you think we can expect next week during the hearings? Well, number one, I, I I just have so much respect for Amy Coney Barrett's credentials, um, her temperament, and uh, she's just a, a great person for her, her life story. I came to know her because Don McGahn, then White House counsel and, and uh, a, a Notre Dame alum himself, happened to bring Amy to my attention uh, when she was interviewing for the Seventh Circuit nomination. And uh, I, I helped her through that process and uh, was able to meet Amy and her husband, Jesse. And um, I, I, I came to understand that she's really 
you know, a, a faithful constitutionalist that understands the role of a judge, which is, of course, to apply the law as written to particular cases and not legislate from the bench. I think it's, um, you know, you know, it's it's um, especially meaningful that she hails from the state of Indiana and that she would be the first woman on the court with working age children or, or school age children. I mean, as so um, she is someone who's wrestling with some of the very challenges you discuss on She Thinks, um, challenges that professional women have to deal with uh, and and uh, do so with, uh, w- with great enthusiasm and, and um, gusto. But it's nice to have role models and it's no- nice to know that uh, these uh, women who have to, frankly, oftentimes work much harder uh, than men juggling various responsibilities are able to assume the highest uh, leadership roles in the land. I think our hearings will be contentious because of the stakes involved. Our Supreme Court has, for better or for worse, been the place uh, in which so many of our most consequential social and economic and cultural and political issues are Indian refereed. Some of that has to do with the fact that Congress punts on difficult issues as opposed to acting boldly, and that's lamentable. But some of it also has to do with a jurisprudential philosophy not shared uh, by Judge Amy Coney Barrett, which um, uh, uh, embraces the notion that it is the job of a judge to insert his or her own value judgments and personal opinions into the law. And uh, that's not how Judge Amy Coney, Coney Barrett rolls. <laughs> and and one of the things that we've talked a lot about on these podcasts, but also IWS focus on, focuses on this, is how it seems that women, if they don't share a liberal ideology, seem to be attacked so viciously by the left and those in the media. When you add to that somebody who not only is a nominee for the Supreme Court, but is also, as, as many would say, taking the place of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, there's a, an extra layer of criticism that comes on. You know Judge Amy Coney Barrett personally. How do you think she is personally suited or, or how did she prepare herself for the personal attacks that she knew was coming should this nomination happen? Well, aside from the um, scrimmages, she'll go through with White House counsel and others preparing for uh, the actual hearing. You know, she spent her life preparing for this. Um, she uh, is, is a person who, uh, aside from being gifted naturally, uh, I'm uh, assuming, um, because of the heights uh, to which she's been able to take her, her academic career. Uh, she is known for her tireless work ethic. She's known for her critical thinking skills and, um, and, and also known for her humility. So um, she is, uh, she, she's someone who has prepared for this through her own work. Uh, she has the support of Jesse and uh, a lovely family, seven children, and uh, that's really prepared her as much as anything else. I do think that it helps uh, that um, uh, she is a you, – you've characterized her as a conservative. She's conservative in the, in, in the sense that she thinks institutions uh, matter, that they should be taken seriously. And I think that's really what you want from a Supreme Court justice. 
Uh, you don't want someone uh, who's going to undermine the institution of the Supreme Court of the United States by turning it into a political weapon or uh, just another political arm of our federal government, which uh, will happen if uh, we we put uh, judges on th- those uh, those important uh, seats and they decide cases based on their personal convictions instead of uh, how the law reads. It, it's it's the job of me and, and people like me at the federal level uh, to make the law. It's really just uh, the job of someone like Judge Barrett to apply it. So um, her ability to make it through the hearing, uh, I, I think, will, uh, and, and, and I have high confidence she will, uh, will, will just depend on continuing to uh, bring everything right back to that. Uh, uh, speaking to the impropriety of her uh, speaking to any hypothetical cases, because it, because it's her job to judge every case uh, on its own merits, and um, uh, there will no doubt be efforts to try and um, uh, try and uh, bruise her uh, through the confirmation process by intimating that uh, she intends to harm people and and, and so forth, and and um, none none of that uh, commentary should be, frankly taken seriously because um, if she's applying the law faithfully and accurately and the law needs to be changed, uh, then the questioners uh, need to uh, propose solutions. Well, no doubt it's going to be a big week for the Senate next week, but just looking forward, is there any other legislation you're currently working on that deals with families and things that women would specifically care about that we should pay attention to? Well, you know, one of the things I I had my team look into are the cost drivers of um, family budgets, and we discovered some interesting things. Of course, health care costs remain a a very big burden on uh, working families, working men and women alike. Um, Housing uh, in various geographies is a big burden, but child care is a, a very significant expenditure. Oftentimes, in fact, in the majority of states of this country, uh, the, the average family spends more on childcare than they do higher education. And you certain, certainly wouldn't know that from our public policy, public debates, where we spend so much time talking about the cost of college, which is very important, but we ought to spend some more time talking about childcare costs. So um, we don't have a sufficient supply of, of childcare workers who are trained to properly uh, take care of our children, especially in rural areas. And apprenticeships are one innovative way to address these challenges. So I introduced a a piece of legislation called the Early Educators Apprenticeship Act with Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, a Democrat, and Shelley Moore Capito, West Virginia, of course, my Republican colleague, that would support apprenticeships and early childhood education um, and uh, make sure that uh, people uh, were entering a genuine profession, uh, that they could take these certified child care certificates uh, from geography to geography where they would be recognized, identified, and, and people would be compensated accordingly. And we think that, that is, uh, that's part of the solution. So that's uh, another, I think, really relevant and topical piece of legislation I'd like to point to. 
So we're going to pay attention to that and also the Working Families Act, hoping that there is bipartisan support so that you can move that forward. But for now, Senator Todd Young, we thank you so much for joining us on She Thinks. Oh, thanks a bunch, Beverly. And thank you for joining us. Before you go, Independent Women's Forum does want you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you. And investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. Please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting iwf.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It does help. Also, we'd love it if you shared this episode and let your friends know where they can find more She Thinks episodes. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening. 